Hello, welcome to episode number 37 of the Coffee with Joffrey podcast. I have got a great episode for you today. Before we get into that, just want to mention I brought back the five-day challenge for Movement Wins um, that I was running before. Very successful in terms of just helping people build habits and just getting them, in, getting them into the right frame of mind before kind of um, going all in on an exercise or nutrition regime. Um, so you can find that on the website, Instagram, follow the links, check that one out. If you have any questions, give me a shout. But more importantly, today, I've been looking for a po- this podcast for a little while now. Um, obviously, one of the popular things to talk about is exercise, which is what I know a lot about. Nutrition has come up a lot. Now, probably the most undervalued um, health perspective that we look at is sleep. And I have got Claudine Gillard, who's a pediatric sleep consultant on today, who is going to talk to us all about things sleeping, um, temperatures to sleep, side effects of sleep, the benefits of sleep, everything you can think of. Um, So without further ado, Claudine, how are you? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, like I said, I've been waiting to get someone on who can talk to us about sleep. And I always said this before, I always treat these as like my own kind of therapy session because I always have so many questions, but then it's always good to have it in a podcast because I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, Claudine, do you want to just give yourself a little bit of an introduction? Certainly. So um, my my sort of journey with discovering sleep as my uh, vocation came as a result of not sleeping which is um, fairly noticeable in life when it's prolonged. Um, I I had my son um, in 2014 and fast forward to 2016 and I hadn't had really any sleep in those two years. Um, And, you know, I don't want to sound dramatic, but in in the first two and a half years of his life, I had one period in one night where I slept for five hours and that was the total uh, maximum that I'd slept in that time. So... You know, we were we were not at our best, let's say, and um, various things happened. We we ended up hiring a sleep consultant ourselves, and within a month of tra- training my son or training our son to learn to sleep, I decided to retrain to become a sleep consultant, and that was basically exactly three years ago. So I've been doing this now for three years. Oh, that's awesome! And I love that. I love when stories like that start with how you got into it. it was actually solving your own problem. I feel like that's comes from a lot of people that get into specializing in different things. You know, someone who was perhaps overweight in the past, they get into some exercise or nutrition and that type of stuff. So I guess it almost comes back down to like the practice in what you preach. Exactly. I mean, I, I want to say to anyone out there who's listening, who's thinking that this relates to themselves. You know, I can honestly say I've been there personally, you know, I walk the walk. I don't make assumptions about people's circumstances because more often than not, people that are hiring me, their children are younger than my son was when we sleep trained them. So I've been in their shoes and I know what it feels like to be right in it, in the thick of it. But I also can speak professionally and say, you know what, there is another way, there is a better way, there is an alternative. Um, and it was definitely one of the greatest gifts we gave our son in terms of um, health, well-being, things he can cope with and handle um, in, his li- in his life. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. And, and actually, it was, it was quite a pivotal moment for me because I was looking at a career, change of career, and this kind of came, this kind of happened to me, if you like. So it was really meaningful in that sense. That's awesome. So, right, before we get into it, 
Um, what I'm going to ask you first is just how important is sleep. But what I want to say is that if you scroll Instagram, if you scroll all different infographics, you, you type in sleep or healthy habits in Google, sleep will always come up. And it's always just like that one point that's there and everyone goes, oh, well, that's obvious. And it's kind of almost like I do it myself. It's kind of just like brushed past and people don't really, they go for like our oh, nutrition or exercise or whatever. How important is sleep? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. And I think it's very easy to be disrespectful of sleep. And our relationship with sleep can sometimes be quite poor. And we can be quite dismissive of the importance of it. Um, and, you know, there is no doubt that is a fundamental human need that we cannot live without. You know, there's a reason why it's used in as forms of torture. Um, and there is loads and loads and loads and loads of evidence that point to the fact that it's essentially um, necessary for our well-being on more than one level but obviously both mental and physical so <clears throat> it's not just making memories and processes etc up here it's obviously muscle um, regeneration and that kind of thing growth physical growth um, so yeah it's it's I still want to be dramatic but it's vital and there's no doubt about that yeah, definitely. So when you're, you know, when you're, whether you're working with clients or just general day to day, what are kind of like the side effects of lack of sleep? You know, the listeners, we we might just presume, you know, side effects of feeling tired, but there's, I take it there's yeah. physical and mental side, side effects that happen. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, it's very easy to adapt. Human beings are very adaptable, even if we're resistant initially. So what happens is, we build our new normals quite easily. So if I use myself as an example, I had broken sleep and less sleep than was necessary for a prolonged period of time. So we're talking two plus years, which by any stretch of imagination is a long, prolonged period of time. So my body acclimatized to that and that was my new normal. So I can give you examples of things like I would be driving down the road and then I suddenly realized I was like 30 miles further on, like not even really aware of how I'd got there because I was, my, my focus was poor, my um, problem solving was poor, um, I was irritable and impatient. Um, but, you know, those, those things are just things that you then become accustomed to, you just li live with. So you're, you're, that's how you are. You don't then start to question it or say, okay, that's wrong. You know it is, but you can't find your way back to the good old you. So you just become, you know, used to that. And, you know, you, you have problems with things like self-control, that leads to things like comfort eating or poor food choices, which leads to weight gain, which leads to, you know, poor kind of mental health in terms of um, your self-worth and body image. Um, <clears throat> if you don't have good sleep, your cortisol levels are raised. So we then head towards, <coughs> excuse me, head towards fatty foods or sugary foods to satisfy us. Then obviously you can have um, um, a lack of energy towards doing exercise. So then you've got you know, poor food choices, lack of exercise, you know, those types of elements will then, you know, bring you down even more. And so it compounds and it compounds. So, you know, it, there's a, there's plenty that, isn't going for you when sleep isn't good. I'm so glad that you brought in that point about the uh, poor food choices and poor self-control and that type of stuff, because I'm always sat, I'm almost sat on the other side of that. You know, when I'm talking about exercise being a keystone habit and I talk about 
you know, when you start to exercise, other things in your life will start to improve. Your mood will improve. Your sleep will be better because you're slightly exhausted. What's that going to mean in the long run? It means that your habits are going to be better, you know, more self-control, that type of stuff. So it just goes to show that it's mm. that kind of full circle. But, you know, from listening to you today and one of the last shows I did, uh, we were talking about fat loss with Ross Gilmore. He, the first thing he went to, I was expecting a podcast on, you know, measuring macros and this, that, or the other. And the first thing he said was sleep. And uh, it just goes to show kind of how important it is. Um, okay, let's, because I always want people to get kind of good tips from this as well. Is there like an optimal amount of sleep that someone should be getting? Does it differ between, you know, age, gender, lifestyle, that type of stuff? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. The... It, when you think of 24 hours, so this is kind of a simplistic way of looking at it in terms of simple maths, and that, that works well for me. <laughs> yeah. So if you think of 24 hours, you basically need to be awake for 16 and asleep for eight. So on a ratio, for every two hours you're awake, you need one hour of sleep. Therefore, if you wake up in the morning with less than eight hours sleep, you're dragging around a residual element. So you've always got a debt or a deficit and that can just exacerbate so if you don't get eight hours every seven nights there's always going to be a element where you're a little bit out of kilter now it let's say you have a poor night's sleep one night and that happens to me once in a while um you know i'll just not fall asleep if you don't get your eight hours that night doesn't mean to say that you've got to sleep nine or 10 or 11 the next day. One night in a blue moon or one night even once a week is not a problem. You don't need to compensate. You might feel a bit tired the next day, but you should go on with your life, life as normal because your body can tolerate a certain amount of pressure, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but if you start to kind of compensate for that by doing things that you wouldn't normally do in other words let's say just keep it the example aligned to what you do let's say you normally sleep from 10 till 6 but that night you didn't fall asleep until 12 you should still get up at 6 you should still do your exercise you should still have your healthy breakfast and you should just treat that as it was an eight hour sleep night and know that two hours is just that that's happened as opposed to saying okay well i'll sleep in or i won't do my exercise because i'm tired or you know i feel extra hungry this morning because you know, um, as I said, the, there can be physical reactions around our food choices. So I'll, instead of having, you know, my avocado, whatever, I'll have a bowl of cereal. You should not do that. You should yeah. treat it as a normal day. Because as soon as you start to react to it, it starts to become your normal. It all starts to unravel. So I guess that ties into like the mental side effects more than anything, because I can definitely relate to that. Like I normally go to bed 10 o'clock at night and routine, get up at, you know, if I'm working early, it'll be quarter past five or quarter to six, something like that. The moment I go to bed a little bit later than that, I'll still have to wake up at the same time because I've got a commitment. I've got a job, someone to meet. But instinctively, I will want to go and do things differently because it's almost like uh, it's, it's almost like, oh, woe is me, poor me. I've only had five hours sleep, so I deserve this. And I start rewarding myself with I'm not going to spend that extra five minutes preparing my breakfast. I'm going to grab something that's quick and easy to go. Is that kind of what you mean by the mental side of it? Yeah, I mean, and there's, yes, exactly. And there's a number of like factors there. We as human beings are 
are both highly adaptable but thrive on routine. So our bodies are kind of set up in such a way that almost regardless of what time we go to sleep, we'll wake up at the same time every day. And, and you know, our alarm clock becomes very internal, which is why people will wake up on the weekend at the same time as their alarm clock will go off for work, if, even if they haven't set their alarm clock. It's quite hard to unset your body clock for two days at seven when the majority you're waking up at the same time. So if you've, if you've pushed your luck at the other end of the day as in gone to bed later, your body won't naturally just wake up later to, to even naturally compensate. So because of that habit element, you need to still treat your body in the same way. Um, because as I say, what will, what will happen otherwise is you'll start to head towards both um, the things that are not the normal becoming the normal, as in, I don't get up on time, so I'm grabbing a breakfast on the go kind of reactions. And, and that, that comes back to this kind of stories we tell ourselves, our own self-sabotaging and our own um, mental blockers. Now, as I said, if it's one night in every so often, it's okay. It's not going to kill us. It's not going to, you know, be super, super harmful. But because our bodies do need basically between seven and nine hours, so obviously eight is the, is the average, um, you, you can't, it can't carry on for too long. Otherwise, then it will become your normal. And then you know, you, it, the situation will become exacerbated. Um, the other thing is, is that, Something you said, and obviously in terms of exercise, exercise isn't going to make you more tired. So if you still got up and did your class or whatever, you'd feel actually more energized. You'd be able to feel more um, able to tackle the day. It's not going to make it worse if you had less sleep. It's actually going to help you. Same with the good food choices. You know, having a, a coffee with two sugars isn't going to make it better. Yeah. By, <laughs> by any means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just it's just because your brain isn't as is as well rested that you don't think as, as clearly or as well um you know and a lot of our issues are very much of the the voice in our head telling us almost what we want to hear or, or what what serves us in that moment yeah. um and you know we need to realize that sometimes we're our, we're our own self-saboteurs for for situations that happen so we had a bad night's sleep well okay we just move on our bodies will be flooded with cortisol as a result so we should be feeling pretty energetic although we're like we're heavy but we're mentally quite lively so it shouldn't stop you from having a normal day it's just when it happens repeatedly it becomes a problem i i don't want to mention this too much but i guess we need to covid how is that and just touched on this very quickly in terms of your line of work and you know maybe some of your clients even your own personal uh, sleep as well what what are people talking about how are people being affected yeah i mean speaking so I'll, I'll i'll take it i'll answer it in two ways as a from a professional you're working with children perspective there is an element to this situation where undoubtedly your children's lives are going to be upended because the routine element that children absolutely thrive on it is not necessarily gone away altogether but it's certainly very different you know, my, on day one of homeschooling, my son was up on time, dre uh, washed, dressed, eating his breakfast, and basically in his school uniform, sat waiting for the live lesson. And by the end of the first week, he's in his pajamas, and I'm just putting his T-shirt over the you know, school T-shirt, <laughs> shoving him in front of the computer screen on time, just about. He's got toast crumbs all over his face. Um, you know, it, it's it's easy to let things slip and slide and, and take away the importance of 
certain elements. I, I strongly believe that children should be wearing their school uniform to do their schooling piece at home, to get them in the mindset, to give them routine, to give them a, a, a you know, a, a setup for them to be in the zone to do schoolwork. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think their sleep is likely to be affected on the basis of potentially letting them go to bed later because they don't have to wake up as early. The structure of the day doesn't stimulate them or tire them out as mentally as it used to. Maybe the lack of physical um, isn't tiring them out as they used to. So I, I can see that that can have an impact on their sleep. On the other hand, certainly for me, I've had an uptick to some extent in my um, in inquiries for, for cli from clients or potential clients because since you've got nowhere to go, it's quite a good opportunity to address things in your life that um, you can prioritise right now, sleep training your child being one of them. And so I've had a lot of parents reach out to me and say, you know, now is as good a time as, as I can think of to devote my energy to this while we are not leaving in the house and not able to go anywhere. So I think children need the structure, they need the routine, and they certainly definitely need the same amount of sleep. And I think for some people now is a good time to sleep train. For adults, from my own personal view um, and what we're feeling is that inability to burn off the energy through exercising in, as intensively as we were, it's got to go somewhere. And it's kind of it, it's easy to internalize it. You know, when we're telling ourselves stories, no matter what our view is of this global situation, that are messing with our heads and undoubtedly will manifest itself in either dreams or a lack of ability to fall asleep. So COVID is challenging us for sure in terms of sleep. Okay, that's awesome. All right, let's move it on. Uh, can we just go more like general in terms of like healthy sleep habits? Have you got, um, you know, things that you talk to people about, things that they can start to instill straight away? Yeah. So these are some favorites that I recommend and I also try to follow myself. I mean, again, I'm not perfect by any means and so I'm not trying to be evangelical. Um, research is undoubted towards this first point, so I know a lot of people will be upset to hear, but screens mess with our um, ability to fall asleep easily and quickly. There's two elements. One is a, a psychological element as in, I mean, it used to happen to us so much. We'd watch something like um, you know, some American pop show where people being murdered left, right and centre and then go to bed. And, you know, your brain is whirring with all this intensive information and, and sort of like quite alarming dark subjects, which is really the last thing you want to be thinking about before you get to sleep. Yeah, my problem is I Wikipedia it for about three hours after as well. <laughs> Yeah, same. I mean, whenever we're watching anything, I'm already Googling the people that are in it. And yeah, yeah. But the other element, which is even more fundamental, is the melatonin production suppressant. So studies have proven that blue and white light suppress melatonin. So really simple terms. When I was growing up, we didn't have backlit TVs. Okay, backlit TVs, LED TVs is a new-ish um, invention. So when I was a teenager, I could watch TV until the last minute before I switched the TV off because there's no backlights. So there was no melatonin suppressant from the white or blue light from the screen. Now, as we have this wonderful age of technology that's created screens, screens can suppress melatonin for up to two hours. Melatonin has to be present in order for us to fall asleep. Okay, if we have no melatonin, we cannot fall asleep at night. 
So if you've suppressed melatonin for two hours, if you turn your screen off at nine, you're not gonna fall asleep until 11 maximum. So I always say to people, you should turn your screen off an hour before bed. So you should be not on your phone. Your I was going to say that's phone, screen, laptop, everything, yeah. And overhead light. Okay. And overhead light as well. So it should be soft lighting, lamps, whatever. What I would then recommend is that hour is spent meditating, mindfulness, reading a book with a lamp, not on a phone. So an actual physical book, uh, bath, um, massage, if you have a partner that's happy to do that. Um, <laughs> And, or listening to mindful, uh, listening to sleep stories or, or apps or that, that are designed for that, okay? Yeah. So that hour before bed is wind down. With my children that I work with, it's between uh, 20 to 30 minutes. But as adults, an hour is potentially um, better because we're more active mentally. So we know that in order to fall asleep, our brain has to be relaxed. So if you're thinking about tomorrow's tasks, what you need to buy in the supermarket, what happened today, you know, all kinds of um, activities that are, or, or thoughts that are, are taking over your brain, keeping it active, you're not going to fall asleep. So you need to be able to wind down so that when you put your head on the pillow, fall asleep. Your bedroom should be for sleep and sleep alone. So there should not be a screen in your, t in your bedroom. You know, you shouldn't, I mean, I'm in here. I'm in our bedroom now because we've got a three-bedroom apartment. My husband's working in one bedroom. My son's uh, school working in, in the living room and I'm in here, right? But what I'm saying is, is that this room, we only really come into to sleep. Um, we don't have a, we haven't never had a TV in our bedroom. Um, you want your brain to know, as soon as I walk through my bedroom door at a certain time of the night, I'm getting ready to go to sleep. So it's winding down, it's preparing, it's relaxing. Um, there's kinds, there's, there's different kinds of, foods that you can eat before bed that are helpful um bananas are good oats are good warm milk's good um your room temperature is very important um we are blessed by having ac in this region because believe me when i go to home to the uk in the summer i cannot get my room temperature comfortable yeah i'm the same it's cooler cooler country generally speaking obviously don't have ac so um Room temperature studies have shown that we really need our rooms colder than we, we anticipate. And so I recommend to clients sub 20. Oh, wow. 20, yeah. So anywhere around 17, 18 is like really, really optimal. A lot of people find that a struggle, but sub 20 is a minimum. And don't forget, human beings generate a lot of heat. So the AC needs to really be pumping out to keep that at 20 um all through the night so it's better to have the ac on full blast and cold layers on your body and a cool room than no ac nothing wearing no clothes or you know just sheets on the bed um it won't be as comfortable a night's sleep um and then the final one which is extremely important is pitch black and a lot of people again misunderstand or underestimate this but human beings are designed to sleep in pitch black yeah, that's, that's kind of, if you look at your, you know, this is one of the things when we moved into our apartment, me and my wife, it was, you know, blackout curtains over just having blinds. They're decisions that you can make, right? And uh, yeah. just hearing it from you kind of like reiterates how important that is. One that was interesting that you said then was the, um, you said like bananas, oats, like carbohydrates. I've, that's, that's known in a strength and conditioning background. 
uh, like from a performance standpoint. Carbs at night are amazing. They help you sleep. Great for your uh, workouts in the morning, that type of stuff. But that's almost like the opposite of what people would assume, right? No, I know. I'm a big fan of carbs at night because it, t- it ties you out. Like you have, it's like when you're getting some food coma, coma after lunch, if you've had a big pasta dish, you know, it makes you feel tired. So there's a, it actually helps you along the path of getting sleepy. Of course, o- oats is low GI. So they're going to just, you know, uh, keep you going throughout the night if you have a good long sleep. Um, and um, particularly with bananas, they've got tryptophan in them, which is helpful. So turkey's got tryptophan, cherries, and bananas. Well, turkey's not easy to get hold of here. Cherries are not easy to get hold of here, so that leaves you with bananas, basically. Yeah, that's a good one. Right, I haven't done this before. I um, I told my wife I was doing this show with you on sleep, and she decided it was her own therapy session. So. I'm going to ask her to come and ask some questions because I think what will be good about this, and she's happy about it for once as well. I think what will be good about this is that she can ask some questions from her point of view, from mm. you know, from being who mm. she is. She might have some other questions. So I'm going to put her on now, Grace. Okay. You're live on the show. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah, so I think the reason I was so interested is because this is kind of like, a hot topic if you actually say to someone oh I didn't sleep well last night it sort of sparks a whole discussion and um you know someone else will say oh neither did I or I'm not sleeping well lately or I found that I've been sleeping well since doing this or um mm. whatever so just a few things when Joff said he was doing this podcast um I sort of thought of where and you have touched on some of them already is temperature and I think obviously in this region like you said we are lucky we have the AC but um, how important is that? And I said to you earlier on, oh, we have the room quite cold. And then when you said the optimum temperature is actually not cold enough. Um, and I think it did, I think you said that it's better to have, to be in a cold room and have something over you than sleeping with nothing on in a warm environment, right? And exactly. that's, sorry, that and sort of came up in discussion because a few girls were like, oh, I just keep waking up and I'm boiling and I'm sweating and we like didn't know what was going on. And then people start talking about hormones and that sort of thing as well. And, you know, what I'd say to my clients is, um, and you'll understand this being a Brit, but I don't only really work with Brits. So I'm just kind of trying to paint my picture here. If you've ever been to the tropics, you know, even if it's not as hot as it gets here, that humid uh, feeling when it's, when it's like a, you know a, hot, a warm day there it's heavy isn't it it feels like it's oppressive it's it feels like it's a weight on you and you yeah. toss and night okay we we've come from a country where we get cold well if it's cold in the winter all we do is just put a few extra layers on and still leave the house yeah. our skin cool to the touch on our face and our hands if we don't have gloves on but it doesn't stop us from leaving the house it's we we acclimatize to that or we, we dress for the weather so what i want to people to think of is you know you go to the ice hotel you know, you, you'd still be able to sleep very comfortably because you just layer up. Yeah. And that's, that's the point about the room. If the room is cool, it feels light. It feels fresh. It feels cleaner. I know AC doesn't feel clean, but what I'm saying is, is that a heavy, a warm room feels heavy. If you, yeah. you And so, um, yeah, you feel course. fresher in that like cold environment. Don't you? When you wake up, it's more like people take cold showers when they wake up. This is it. So you're, yeah. you're saying, okay. The room is cold, the actual air in the room is cold, but I have dressed, prepared my body for that by wearing, let's say, for example, for me, 
I will wear like a vest and a long sleeve and pajama bottoms and we have a blanket mm-hmm. and I'm perfectly warm and toasty you know even if I wake up and my skin is cool on my face it would be like walking down the street in winter in the UK yeah it's better to do that than toss and turn and toss and turn all night because you know you're in a hot room and studies have proven it now I don't know for sure what, what how this originated but um they have done studies and SIDS which is sudden infant death syndrome is linked to warm rooms so we absolutely know for sure it's safer for babies to sleep mm. in cold rooms. So it must make sense that you, you know, translate that to adults. Yeah. And we only sleep better in cold environments. And like I said, you know, Eskimos obviously sleep all year round in cold and they're just <laughs> they <won't. laughs> like that. But you know what, what I mean? In, in countries where they're colder generally throughout the year, it doesn't yeah. mean to say they're sleeping, right? They can no. just find a way to Exactly. And something that Joff probably wouldn't have thought of, but for the girls who are listening out there, do hormones and times different fluctuations yeah. throughout the month have an impact on how well we sleep? Yes. Yes. And I mean, this is one of those circumstances where we obviously can only do as much as we can and then the rest happens to us. Mm-hmm. The things that we want to do for ourselves to make it better is just as much consistency as we can have. So every day, basically, we should go to bed at the same time and we should wake up at the same time. Now, there's a bit of give and take there, particularly for adults. For children, I'm very um, rigid with that. And the leeway is no more than 30 minutes. As in either size. I can't get up 30 minutes earlier or go to bed 30 minutes later. With adults, we can have a little bit more leeway, but our bodies are very, as I said earlier, very, um, we prefer that kind of rigid element. So no matter where in the month we are, it would be better for us to always be going to bed at the same time and and sort of waking up at the same time, because then whatever happens inside is just happening as anyway kind of a thing. Okay, yeah. And that's why having the cooler room will then help us at those other times. But yeah, it is very normal to be hotter at certain yeah. And I think just the last one, uh, when this has sort of sparked discussion with a friend recently, um, she said that she wasn't sleeping well and she was finding it really difficult to fall asleep. And then mm. this um, started a discussion about maybe different apps on your phone that you can use, um, some meditation, te- breathing techniques, or just things to help her uh, switch off or unwind um, and that was just quite interesting if there was just sort of like a technique or anything as a general obviously this will be different to individuals but just things that you found that recur and are quite good at working for the majority the, the, the problem we've got with um, that and it's just a dilemma and I mean it's a dilemma for me because I do have an app called Calm which I yes I think that's the one that I said about the Calm I quite like that for myself yeah I really like it it works for me but in truth we should have no electronics in the bedroom and I mean I'm not not a conspiracy theorist person um whether or not it's super 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 harmful to have them I don't know Mm -hmm. but what I am saying is, is that any light that they emit is definitely a problem because our room is black. So then if, if our screen lights up at all, it's significant. But also, um, um, you know, just going back to something I said, we really don't want ele- electronics in our bedroom. We want our bedroom to be more of a sanctuary for sleep. Mm. The ideal situation is 
let's say you want to go to bed and be asleep at 10 o'clock. So at nine o'clock, you'd stop your um, watching your TV show. You might have a warm bath and read a book in the bath, um, maybe a warm drink. And then um, if you're then going to listen to your app, you'd put it on at 9.45 to be asleep at 10. We should take between five and 15 minutes to fall asleep. If it takes longer, we're starting to move towards a place where we're going to start to talk ourselves into the fact that we can't fall asleep. Okay. Talk into ourselves, it's going to go wrong. So basically, if we don't fall asleep within 15 minutes, we maybe aren't tired enough to fall asleep. And this is a habit that we need to avoid. So this goes back to what I said earlier about, let's say you didn't get enough sleep one day. Let's say you did, you normally go to bed at 10 and wake up at six. That night you didn't go to bed until 12 and you woke up at six. You'd still want to go to bed that subsequent night at 10 and not nine or eight because you won't fall asleep. You'd be lying there for an hour thinking, why the hell am I falling asleep? And you'll start to create a negative environment in your bedroom. Right, so you, so you just, don't want to make up those hours that you've missed. You, you, you probably couldn't. You wouldn't be able to fall asleep at eight. Mm-hmm. So basically, you want to be, if you want to be asleep at 10, you don't want to be getting into bed until 9.45. Your re- routine or regime or your little ritual that you did before you got into bed, some of it can take place in your bedroom, but the minimum amount, so like say a bath, potentially wouldn't obviously be in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. If you're going to read a book, better not to do that in your bedroom, funny enough. And then, then what you're doing is sort of saying to your brain, okay, now I'm lying down in bed, it's sleep. Because otherwise your brain receives signals saying, well, are you sleeping now? Are you reading book now? Are you, you know, what, what are you doing? You know, it's not really aware. It needs that certainty. If um, you don't fall asleep straight away, you actually should get up and leave the bedroom. You shouldn't lie. Oh, that's interesting. Because I think I would just, not that I have that much problems falling asleep these days, but sometimes it, you do start to wonder, especially if your partner is fast asleep next to you and then you start thinking and then all you want to do is fall asleep and you can't and then it's that pressure on yourself. So it is better to maybe move around or do this something is exactly else. It. Exactly it. So this is a really good point. And this, this is what happens in my home. My husband falls asleep, no problem at all. I occasionally, once, once every couple of months, I'll have a night where I can't drop off. Yeah. And I basically get up, go into the living room, have a cup of chamomile tea or a cup of you know non uh, caffeinated non caffeinated tea. Yeah. Um, and just relax. Obviously, I can't check any work emails or do any other kind of thing. <laughs> but it's quite helpful to have an actual physical book. Yeah. Because uh, so much now is electronic, which you know doesn't help either. But I just basically need to get away from the environment to like reset and. Yeah. Um, avoid the energy becoming stale and then uh, go back interesting okay thank you i'll put drop back <laughs> i'm i think no stay there i think okay. it's good having you on i'm gonna get you on more now after this <laughs> um i've just got i've just got two more uh questions for you before we wrap it up because i think you're going to be my resident sleep expert now <laughs> i'm going to invite on the show because i i already know this is going to be a really popular show um i guess these are kind of related to me First one is on, obviously, this podcast is called Coffee with Joffy. So caffeine, um, mm. you know, like caffeine after 12 o'clock or 2 o'clock or no caffeine at all. What are your, uh, not necessarily, or your views on it, but how is that affecting our sleep? Yeah, I mean, there is absolutely no doubt that caffeine is a sabotage or an inhibitor, I should say, of sleep. But the, the problem with it is it's, it's, um, it varies from person to person. So um, I had 
my body changed fundamentally and hasn't and hasn't reverted since I had a child and you know hear that a lot and obviously that is you know not specific to me but I I used to drink a lot of coffee before I got pregnant I didn't drink coffee throughout my pregnancy I didn't drink coffee when I had my son because I was breastfeeding I then wasn't going to risk any caffeine going into him because he already wasn't sleeping we needed every bit of sleep that we could get quality um and then since I um have stopped all that I have I, I do not have coffee as a rule after midday I have one coffee a day maximum two um and it's never after midday when I have coffee after midday I do not fall asleep that night even if it was like two o'clock in the afternoon so it really I'm very very sensitive to caffeine extremely sensitive my husband has a cup of coffee before he goes to bed yeah, I was just about to say, I have to have, well, I say have to, that's kind of like my ritual to relax is to have a cup of tea. Yeah, I very last it. drink that I have of the day is a cup of tea before, and sometimes I do take it to bed with me. So, it, but, yeah. but then it, I feel like that's relaxing for me, but it's just interesting because Joff won't touch caffeine in the evening, whereas I'm like, cup of tea, cup of tea, and then that's, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's personal. Now, I think I synthesize coffee differently since I've been pregnant. I think, you know, there's definitely a hormonal element to that. And, and I'm not saying it, it, I'm not saying that there isn't an element where I'm telling myself it as well. So, yeah. I mean, that's true. But I drink very strong coffee, so it, it's not sensible for me to have it in the afternoon. Yeah, I do drink very weak tea, so maybe that's why. <laughs> so it obviously vary between person and person. But caffeine is a stimulant. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be. I don't think there'd be many people that have a Red Bull and then go to bed or, or can yeah. coke. So you've got to think of it in those terms. And yeah, it can definitely be preventative of going to sleep, falling asleep. You know, mm-hmm. it won't keep you up at night, but it will stop you from falling asleep. Yeah. Yeah, I think that quite that that answered it perfectly, and I think it was to get the point across as like. Yeah, like someone like Grace has a tea before bed. But I think a lot of people might underestimate what having a coffee at three o'clock is doing to their sleep. They might not actually weigh up and they can't work out why they can't sleep. So I think you answered that well. The last question was on alcohol. And in particular, I guess I'm not someone who drinks or, you know, has a beer every night or a glass of wine, but I'll definitely drink a large consumption on a Friday. (laughs) Um, and I always feel the effects until not necessarily like really hung over or anything like that. I'll always feel the effects until Monday in mm-hmm. some cases. And there's yeah, a certain, affect that night there's a certain well. element of uh, dehydration to that, but I'm normally pretty good the next day of, of stocking up and getting plenty of water in. But how much has my sleep been affected then? Yeah. So there's a number of aspects to think about and Please believe me when I say, since I've been homeschooling my five-year-old, I have needed to go to the office more frequently <laughs> before. I'm sure you're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, you know, it's not to be evangelical by any stretch of imagination. Um, but it does disrupt our sleep on a number of levels. If we don't get a good night's sleep, for, for whatever reason related to, you know, let's say waking up in the night or the dehydration element, if we don't move into all four stages of sleep, we don't get the beneficial elements of all the stages of sleep that we need. So uh, just a very quick summary. Stage one is essentially semi-conscious. Stage two is proper, proper unconscious, so it, but it's light sleep. Stage three is where we are um, regenerating muscles. And stage four is where we're, we're basically um, building our brain activity 
terms of memories and um, it's dream sleep and it's building neural pathways. If you don't get deep sleep, you're not regenerating your muscles and you're not building neural pathways. So yes, guess what? Next day you aren't going to feel fantastic. <laughs> the day after may not be enough to compensate either. If you've got elevated levels of Basically, what happens is if you don't get a good night's sleep, cortisol levels go up. Cortisol is like having a caffeine just before bed, you know, a, a Red Bull just before bed, because you're jittery, you've got this false energy, short spells of concentration, and then you can't, and then you can't, and then you're fuzzy headed. So mm. it's like a real, it's like, you don't need it. You, <laughs> you don't so it is true. It can take a couple of days to recover Definitely. from a, from a big session. Yeah. <laughs> the more commitments we have, the harder it is because we've got this element of us saying, you know, you need to be on point for this and that and the other. You know, when we're, when we're younger, our commitments are less. So we have a skinful, but so we've got nothing to do or nowhere to be the next day. Mm-hmm. But um, when we've got a life that's kind of more responsibilities led, you've got this part of you saying, yeah, I want to relax and have fun. And part of you saying, oh God, it's really going to affect me the next day. And that's all. Mm. And you have out. those things that you have to do rather than yeah. when you're younger, you don't have to do those things. Yeah. This is it. So, yes, I mean, it makes us hot, which obviously makes us, you know, sleep less comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, it's not not serving us in the, in the way that <laughs> <laughs> we wish it would. Speaking <laughs> <No. laughs> personally, rather. <laughs> That's awesome. Claudine, I think we're going to wrap it up there because I feel like you've given us so much great information there and I'd, I'd actually like to get you back on for another show as well so we can save some of that for the next one. Um, Claudine, you're obviously based here in Dubai. Um, I know that you work a lot with children, is that right? Children, yeah. teenagers in terms of their sleep? Yeah, so um, absolutely. I mean, at the moment, my business is particularly focused in children or on children and helping parents to help their children. So just to be super children, I work with parents to help them to understand how they can get their children to sleep better. Okay, so yeah. I'm not, I'm not the sleep fairy. Um, <laughs> more, more, I'm the parent fairy. I'm there to help parents. I'm not there to help. They help their kids. As a, I don't work with children. I work with parents. That's what I'm trying to say. But I know just from speaking to you before that you're venturing down uh, how you can help adults as well. Is that something that you're doing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the more I talk to people like yourself um, and um, you know, just chatting generally to parents as well about what I do, I think that the, the specialisation that I've got with children is a specific type of sleep training because when you're training a child, you're not able to explain to them what you're doing because, of course, they're little, they're non-verbal. Whereas um, with adults, it's a definite different skill set and different offering. So, yeah, I think I'd like to add that to my services. Um, I mean, I've got some other services I offer families. I have some nutritional qualifications that I help parents when um, their children aren't eating well, which is often related to sleep. But I think, um, yeah, seemingly a lot of adults would like some help with their sleep and Mm. services I could introduce within my offering um, no i think you've i think you've definitely got a, a market there and like i said this this podcast you know we'll title it with with something that's catchy as well but i think just people listening and hearing some of the things around sleep will be enough to draw them in um so claudine where can they find you i mean i'll tag all of your social media and stuff in uh, in the show notes anyway but where can people find you to reach out 
yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and um, the World Wide Web. Um, so my business is called Sweet Dreams um, Consulting. So it's sweetdreams.consulting um, website. And then Facebook is Sweet Dreams Baby Sleep, and the same on Instagram. Perfect. Claudine, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you.